Okay, finally we're on the last session. And it'd be great if we could do these conferences for a longer period of time, right? If I could do if I could do ten days it'd be great, right? Ten But God matches according to the time that's available to us. And during the holiday, we're going to have a conference. And if you get permission from your pastors, then you're more than welcome. Raise your hand if you want to come to the conference in, in that month. Okay, there's not that many. Raise your hand if you want to, if you want to come. Raise your foot if you want the conference. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought you guys would be in awe and like happy and excited, but I guess you aren't, so then never mind. Forget it. the new building in the new building we'd like to have a conference at the in that month during the holiday the, the Thanksgiving so from Friday uh, Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday that's only eight sections actually it's only one extra session Even though it's five days, it's only one extra session. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay, it's eight sessions. Okay, and so let's go ahead and begin. Okay, renew the glory. And so have you entered into the Exodus properly? If, are you, you still lost at the Red Sea? Raise your hand if you're still in the Red Sea. Raise your hand if you have not yet arrived at Mount Sinai. Haven't yet see, to see the tabernacle. Have yet to remove the idols. Okay, we've all removed it today. Yes, amen. And so today... Uh, the pre the sermons that I, I gave to you today are preached from the perspective of the practical sense of the entire um, the entire true system of Zoe ministry and so I'm 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 a f I'm sorry that I didn't prepare my sermons but I, I hope that you were blessed because whether I prepare or not, God will do His will. So, so you don't care that I didn't prepare, right? And so even today, I didn't prepare for tonight's sermon, so I don't know how it's going to unfold. And yet, uh, God knows what He wants, and so let's go ahead and continue. 
And so from chapter 32, after the golden calf, uh, God wants to just wipe them away. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do just yet. But, but when it comes to sin, God is, um, God is always angry with sin and he brings righteousness by judging sin. And yet, he is always prepared to forgive of all sins. And going beyond that in the New Testament era, because we have the grace of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, um, we have been completely set free from the power of that sin. The sin that, that God, uh, when God sees us and we repent, He's not simply forgiving us, but is completely erasing the power and the authority of that sin. So all we need to do is repent. As long as we repent, it will be okay. The problem is, is you don't repent. So when you look at 1 John, First uh, John talks about the nuance between the difference of the, those who forgive and those who are unable to forgive. Uh, or no, the, the sins that are able to forgive and the sins that are not able to forgive. And one of the sins that God truly detests is the sin of idolatry, right? Because what is idolatry? Idolatry is testing God directly. And so if you love the world, uh, whether you're aware of it or not, You, you are ignoring God and replacing Him with something in the money or something in the world, whether it might be money or something else in the world or some person loving that person more than God. And of course then, what's awaiting your life is tragedy. If you put anything above God, that is, that is something that God truly does detests and will judge and so from that perspective that's why this Babylon and, and the world is so dangerous and remember as we saw throughout this week what is Babylon it's all about, about being self-centered so if you live focused on yourself then this self this self continually is strengthened empowered by the things of the world keeps receiving that strength and so if you live for yourself you're going to naturally just absorb the energy of the world and so when you are self-centered ultimately what that means is that you have nothing to do with God and this is the danger of idolatry and as I, as I said this morning and so to Israel God says to Moses that I'm going to wipe them all away. I'm going to annihilate them and let's begin anew, you and me. And, and then, so what does Moses do? He mediates for the nation because he knows that God doesn't want to uh, wipe them out. But, but, and so he passes over that, that annihilation. But as we saw in chapter 32, at the end of chapter 32, what does the Lord do? He says, he says that whoever has sinned against me I will blot out of my book and on that day I will visit their sin upon them and so when it comes to sin God will bring this judgment this visitation and so regarding this aspect regarding this judgment Moses cannot pray he cannot intercede Now, of course, um, 
though the people had to suffer, but when it comes to the sin itself, they have not yet dealt with that. And so God is going to visit them again. Because God, when he visits, it should visit in glory. But when he visits in judgment, that's dangerous, right? That is very dangerous. He is someone who's constantly visiting. As it says in John, right? Gospel of John, that God is continually uh, drawing near. He is continually entering closer to you. His visitation needs to always be visitation of glory, not visitation of judgment. Even now, he's continually visiting you, continually coming upon you. And if you are open spiritually and you are aware of that, then it will come in glory. That visitation will continually be in glory. But if not, that visitation, you will fail to receive it. And so God comes in judgment. So that's up to chapter 32. Right? When it comes to sin, God will... Uh, find judgment right and that's why the entire first generation or gets di dies in the wilderness except for who Joshua and Caleb right because God will br uh, br will f um, will bring judgment on sin but through Jesus's return we have been set free from the death of sin we have been set free from from the uh, slavery of sin and so life the greatest problem of life has been dealt with and so if you have faith regarding this then there is no struggle in your life anymore because there is nothing holding you down that doesn't mean that everything in your life is going to be successful no but the fact that the greatest issue of life the main problem of life which is sin has been dealt with means that you are free and so when it comes to spirituality the reason why it's so messed up these days is because they do not receive this fundamental truth in faith why because the source of all suffering is sin and if you believe that that source has been dealt with then whether you have money or not whether you have power or not whether you have success or not there there is no nothing that can bring you down there is nothing that can cause destruction to you because sin has been dealt with and so that's why you have confidence so as long as you believe that that sin has been dealt with then there is no reason to be afraid to attempt to do anything and so and so this fundamental salvation this very basic elementary thing there's so many of us who's unable to receive this in faith this is really easy right the fact that sin has been completely dealt with that means that when you face life you should face it confidently because because what is this truth saying this truth is saying that the main source of problem in your life which was sin is no longer tying you down and so look look at the people whatever they may be doing whatever authority they may have whatever power they have they are powerless in front of death right but if you deal with death then there is nothing that can threaten them there's nothing that can uh, that can threaten them right and so that's why they have confidence in victory that even death itself is no longer a threat and so when you say that you're living by God, this element is always being a pillar in your life. And because this is the pillar of your life, you always have confidence that there is no reason to be powerless because this is the pillar that upholds my life. 
that no matter what happens before me, no matter what happens to me, that doesn't mean that you will not be sad. That doesn't mean that you will not find difficulty. But the fact that you have the keys to life, that there's nothing that can bring you down, which is what? That sin has been dealt with once for all by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what does that mean? That means that you have this direct relationship with God now. And so what does that mean? That now all I have to do is pray to God. That that's all that's all that I need to do to do anything. As long as I pray to God, that's all. Wait for his answer. What does God say when he makes the covenant with Israel? He says that I am your God and you are my people. And so all they have to do is believe, believe and pray to him. But instead of praying to him, what do they do? They complain. Instead of instead of praying to him, what do they do? They do not believe. It's this, doesn't this sound someone like similar to you, right? All you have to do is pray, but you fall into despair. All you have to do is pray, but you complain and you, and you grumble. Okay? Don't, don't glare at God but stare at God okay there's so many strange people I mean look if you didn't believe in Jesus then I have nothing to say but you all attend church right and so why despair why complain why grumble and so look even now as I said throughout this entire week Look at all the great men of faith in this Bible. It's not their greatness that is being testified. Rather, as men who have met with God, this is natural life for anyone who has met with God. What does that mean? That means that to you, you if you meet with this amazing God, then, then, then you have that same base, right? And because you have that same base, you can live like Moses. You can live like Paul. This is normal. It is ordinary that's the confidence that we need to have because that is who our God is and so the problem isn't that you are not great the problem is is you are unable to receive that same God it's because you do not receive that same faith if it was their greatness that made them who they are then we could not call this grace but all of it was given to them for free and so see this is what Babylon has deceived you has how, how it has deleted you by uh, deluded you by causing this um, stronghold in your mindset that keeps you from seeing this fundamental truth that is grace that God gives grace right Okay, it's very easy to receive grace, amen? It's very happy, right? This is your original, um, this is your original state. It's not a special grace given to this conference. No, this is originally how you're supposed to live. How it's supposed to be easy and happy and full of joy when you receive grace. Amen? Okay, aren't you happy? Sarang, you're happy, right? Truly happy, right? That's what it is. Living with God is happiness. What else could cause you happiness? Right? This is where happiness is. Okay, I don't need to ask Kayongi because she's probably happy no matter what right now. Okay. Okay, Miryang sisters, aren't you happy? Okay, let's continue. And so glory, look. The important thing is that this absolute greatness, this absolute uh, boundary needs to be set. 
Moses, look at this. Whenever a problem comes, he doesn't try to find people to help him. He doesn't try to find a solution. Rather, he spends alone time with God. And look, this is where the game is won. Right, because Moses believes in God, that's why he looks to God. It's the same thing to you in your life. No matter what issue may arise in your life, no matter what kind of problem, what kind of hardship, what kind of tribulation, you look at people, you look to the world, you look to your own experiences. Right? No, you need to stop your thoughts, come to church, prostrate you down before God, and seek God. That is what allowed Moses to win, to be victorious. And then I also preached regarding uh, going through suffering during the during the Passion Week. And so look, honestly, suffering is beneficial to us. Why? Because through suffering, we meet with God. And as we meet with God, we're going deeper and deeper into glorification. We're going deeper and deeper into freedom. We're going deeper and deeper into the understanding of the truth, knowing that it's God who is in control of my life. And so the suffering no longer becomes a problem. Amen? And so you are young men, you are young adults right now. And the most important thing right now is not that you are young adults, but rather that as you go down your life, when you build up this, this, this faith in God, when you get to my age, you will taste true freedom, taste true glory. Once you get to my age, it needs to be that all things are possible in faith, whether it's money, whether it's people, whether it's your work, your children, whatever it may be, it's all things that I can deal with in faith. That is built out through your meeting with God and having one-on-one -on -one alone time with God during your youth, your young adult era. That's why this is important. And so this is what you need to see, the big picture of your life, that if I live my life this way, then at the end of my life, it's going to result in this. But now already, already you're living by your thoughts, already looking for your solutions, your, your problem solving ability, your experiences, then I'm sorry, your life is going deeper and deeper into that jungle. Your deeper is going deeper, deeper into the way that God doesn't want you to go. And so look, even today. Even today, in this time of great danger, what does Moses do? He looks to God. And in this short chapter, five times God's glory is present before him. And, so he, and yet he still looks for more of that glory. And so I'm going to talk about this glory. But, But this glory, this glory that, 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 that he is seeing in these Old Testament era times is not a simple matter. When you are seeking that glory, you are going, risking your life. Right? We saw this, right? How great was this glory? How terrifying was this presence that the people were f so afraid? How afraid were Israel? That's something that you would experience and know once you truly feel true reverence towards God. And Moses is meeting with that terrifying God face to face five times. That means that he's going before God without a concern for his survival, right? And so in this time, 
of, of hardship arising. Moses isn't solving the problems on his own, but rather he is renewing that glory in his life by meeting with God. And so this is what you should never forget. Let's say a problem comes across your life. That time is a chance for God to give you something greater than that problem itself. Living in faith, what you need to understand is that the, that you need to live by the strength that 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 there's always this chance to flip the tables, to turn the tides. And so your thoughts needs to always be tuned to the turning of the tides in faith. That's the faith that you need to have. And in that faith, you need to have strength. Even though you're being oppressed and all this hardship comes right, and even in that moment, you got to be able to think, just wait for the tides to turn. Just wait for the tides to turn. You may think that, oh, pastor, that's your life. That's your personality. No, if you have faith, all men of faith will have this personality. All men of faith, when hardships come, they will have the strength to look to the turning of the tides and with inside of them and this faith builds up inside of them amen and so look at how great this is that your life if that you will flow according to your thoughts if you live by your thoughts but if you choose faith then your life your life will go in the direction of that faith Okay, I've been a Christian for a long time, right? And I've seen much before I was a Christian, right? And yet what's amazing is, is that God creates the church according to how I proclaimed. And so really, God leads according to what I've proclaimed. It, according to your faith, it shall be done to you. And so when you get to my age, in that glory, you will see God moving according to that. And this doesn't just happen out of the blue. But 30 years ago, when I met with God, I've been continually choosing faith. And that faith has characterized me. And so right now, for you, this is the life that you need to live. That no matter what situation, no matter what circumstances, instead of choosing despair, but rather receiving the strength to, in faith to turn the tides. And remember, this isn't a special power. If you have faith, this is given to you fundamentally. And so if this doesn't happen, that what does that mean? Then that means you do not have faith. Really, this is not an extraordinary event. If you are in the Spirit of God and you live by God, then this is so ordinary. It's not extraordinary. You need to believe that. This is ordinary the fact that you are unable to live this way is what's strange because the holy spirit is inside of you right if the holy spirit is inside of you then then why can't you live that way you say you have faith then why can't you live this way and so when you acknowledge that this is not natural what does that open up it opens up the door to repentance if you don't acknowledge this you will never repent you will always compromise with this you'll compromise thinking that this is normal but when you acknowledge that this is not normal right this 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 only applies to people who don't have faith who don't have the holy spirit why do you fall into despair why do you worry this is not natural that's what you need to understand and when you acknowledge that that's when the doors to repentance opens and the turning of the tide happens who is our god 
It's because you do not know who he is. That's why you're so influenced by the world. And that's why you're so lost in the ways of the world. If you truly understood who he is and that he transcends all things, like it says in Hosea 4, that Israel, my nation is ruined for the lack of the knowledge of God. And so Israel, let's press on to know the Lord. Let us know the Lord. Let us press on to know the Lord. And so, brothers, in your youth, really press on to know the Lord. Press on to know the Lord. That in your time, remember your creator God. Remember your creator God. He, he quoted Proverbs, but I didn't hear exactly the verse. But, but, you know, in your youth, remember the Lord your God. Amen? And so, this is really important. In the face of this great danger, in the face of this great crisis, what did Moses do? Moses submitted to God. And in the midst of that crisis, God's glory turned the tides. And so, even in the Old Testament era, this applies to Moses. How much more to New Testament saints who, in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Living this way is so obvious. Amen? It's not that it's difficult that this is hard for you. No. It's because you do not allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. You do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. But rather, you let Him sleep inside of you. You let Him slumber inside of you. No, you got to wake Him up. And so look. If you live by the whole the faith that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, then it's like this. Okay. It, okay, in Korea there Korea there's an idiom. In Korean there's an idiom. But but see, if you were to solve things in faith, then it would happen easily. But because of your thoughts, you take detours and go wander and wander. And, and so though it's a small problem, you make it larger. Even though it's nothing. Even though it's nothing, you make it, you blow it out of proportion. It would have been finished just dealing with it one day, but you make it 10 days a month, constantly in your unbelief, letting it build up and build up and making it larger and larger. Something that could have just ended in, in faith. You keep trying to solve it through your way. And so you just drag it out, drag it out, making the problem longer and longer. And so like Proverbs says, right? A way seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. Look at how clear the Bible is, right? Men are not supposed to live by their thoughts. They cannot see even five minutes into the future, five seconds into the future. You know nothing. And so it's all about faith and let faith work out your life. Faith solves death. Save faith solves sin. Faith solves everything. You can solve everything in faith. What's the condition? As long as you are righteous, the righteous shall what? Live by faith. Right? The Bible doesn't, if the Bible were to say the righteous shall live by money, then all you have to do is give your life to earn money. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you live by righteousness. If the if it says that the faith are to live by their knowledge, then, then you can, all you have to do is strive to get knowledge. But that's not what the Bible says. And so don't live your life living based on facts that are not in the Bible. Stop living unbiblically. Un 
And so Moses is this guy, is this man who has the faith, the power of the faith to turn the tides. So let's see this glory. Let's see this faith with that glory. Amen. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. So look, God is upset. Okay. Right. Oh, and the people whom you have brought up. When did Moses bring them up? No, God brought them up, not Moses, right? And so God is upset. He, he is kind of like a little baby upset. And so serve him well in faith that he doesn't. So depart, go from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. And so remember earlier, God said to Moses that he would annihilate his people and Moses interceded on the behalf, right? And he says, since I promised you this land, go to that land. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. And so he's just saying, go, get, be, uh, get on with it and get out of, and for good riddance, right? Verse 2. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Jebusites. And Moses is not happy to hear this, right? An angel, right? An angel of the Lord. Through the angel, the angel of the Lord will lead you. It may sound like a good thing, right? But it's not. It's not important for an angel to lead me. No, it's what's important is, is that God is saying that he's not going, right? As you see in verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. This is the important thing, right? Because God is saying he will not go. He's upset. Because I'm upset, I'm not going to go with you. And let's be honest here. Let's say that this case was to unfold before you. God says, hey, I'll give you the money that you want. The rest is up to you now. Then what would do you think you would do? Right? You'd probably be happy, right? Because, hey, at least I got the money that I wanted. Right? He's saying, he's saying, you know, okay, sure, you're going to give us canon? Then, okay, we'll go on our own way. This is what's unfolding before Israel right now. So if you do not live by faith, if you do not live by God in your life, many times this is what you're going to choose. If you live by your thoughts, this is actually the choice you're going to make. And so only Moses, when you live by faith, can he respond to this, to this, uh, to this request by God, a request that God offers, where he says, "If you do not go, I will not go." This only belongs to the people who live by faith. If you do not live by faith, when God says He'll give you money, okay, sure, I'll take it and I'll go on my way. Okay, I'll go on my way. That's what's going to happen. If you do not live by faith, this is going to happen. Okay, for example, okay, there are many examples, but anyways, look, if you don't seek his face, but seek his hands, if you're always looking to his hands, then they will fall by this trial at all times. We need to always seek his face, seek his grace, seek him for himself, for his own sake, not, not 
put purpose on what he gives. Because if you put your purpose on what he gives, then you will always fall to this. That if God says that you go and I'll give what you want, but I will not go with you, you will fall to that. For example, I'm seeking um, a billion dollars right now, right? Let's say God says, okay, I'll give you that billion dollars. Do it, do it, do it. Make your temple, do whatever you want. And so if my purpose is to, if my purpose is just to build the building, then I don't need glory. All I would have to do is, and I would receive that money, right? And so if that goal is the purpose, then you won't even hear what God is saying, right? You won't even hear. You won't be able to hear. And you won't care. And so, what is faith? Faith is not that faith that He will give, but faith in who He is. Amen? And so, if you do not have faith in who He is, this is something that you will always fall to. And so, to people like this, even though in their life, What's going to happen is they're going to fall, 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 and wonder and wonder and wonder because they don't even realize why they're falling, why they're wandering. They thought that they were blessed because God is going to give them, but that was actually the curse. Because without God, no matter what it may be, it is always a poison. It is always a toxic. That's what we need to be careful. We are not seeking what He gives, but seeking Him. He needs to be our goal. We see that even in Daniel 3, right? Right, God is almighty and he will he is mighty to save. He can save me. He, he can save me, deliver me from your hand, king. Now, this is important, but that is not existential faith. Where does existential faith is when the friends of Daniel say, but even if he doesn't, right? That is existential faith. Okay, whatever happens in my life, whether it's good things or bad things, that's not matter. Apart from serving God, I cannot do anything else. This is existential faith. That even if he doesn't. Because God is almighty. He is almighty and I seek him and I worship him. That is something that pleases God. But at the same time, who is he more pleased with? Who is he more in close with? As even if you don't. And so he is looking for people who can make this confession. Even if you don't. And so... From your lips, if you live by God, this is the confession you will make. And so, so, you know, logically you may think that, oh, they're receiving the promise as good as, and, and then you think like, oh, but of course I would not fall to this because, because obviously you want to go with God. But honestly, if you don't live by faith, in that case, that, that may not happen. So that, that's why I always say to the pastors, your goal, your purpose is not your pastoral ministry. Your purpose is not your pastoral ministry. I, I say that, I've said that even in South America, right, to the pastors during the conference. I, I said to them that pastoral ministry is not your purpose. It's not your goal. And they don't understand. I mean, some do, but like there's many who don't understand what I'm saying. God needs to be my everything. Okay. If at any time I lose sight of God's glory because of my pastoral ministry, then I need to be willing and able to give up my pastoral ministry at a moment, at a heart's moment. Okay, because I'm not doing this pastoral ministry to provide a source of living for me. No, that's not what this is. Okay. 
and this is something that this is the stumbling block before many pastors many theology students many seminary students this is the stumbling block Okay. There are many um, missionaries in China who are running a bakery shop because that allows them to stay in China. No, don't lie. You are not. You are not running a bakery so that you can be a missionary. No, you're running a bakery so that you can educate your children and give them a good life. That's why you're running a bakery. And these kinds of people will fall when it, when God offers this test and say, they will treat it as if God is giving them what they need and what they desire and it's God's will. So we should not look to God's hands but to God's face. This is what it means to live in faith. Living in faith, it, all you need is God. That all you need is God's acknowledgement. All you need is to be with God. This is the essence of faith. Whether he gives or doesn't give, that's not going to shake you. That's not a problem. If he doesn't give, he doesn't give. If he gives, then hallelujah. There's no problem. Always. Always. And so, is this being engraved into your heart? That we need to be a generation of faith that can truly confess that even if you don't. Amen? And so, let's continue. And so Moses, Moses has the fundamental faith to renew that glory. And so not anyone is going to receive the renewing of the faith. No, they need to have faith that God is everything to them, that God is their purpose, and that God is their only will. And so the, to them, God will grant great grace of the renewal of His glory. So let's continue. I will not go up amongst you lest I consume, consume you on the way for you are stiff-necked people. And so because they are so arrogant, right? Stiff-necked, what does that mean? It means that when they are full, they rebel. When they are, empty, when they are hungry, they complain, right? That is what arrogance is. And so if you live by faith saying you know God and you go to church and yet you don't live in faith, then this is description of you that when you are full you rebel when you are hungry you grumble or despair right right because uh, despair and arrogance comes from the same root this is the image of those who do not have faith right they are this is describing Israel right now that at any time uh, God would be justified to annihilate these people but because of Moses right because of Moses uh, God has mercy and so at any time if we love anything more than God that is dangerous and so brothers in your youth do not allow anything to take the place of God in your heart whether it's yourself your friends your significant other your career your your name whatever it may be don't let it get take the place of god and so brothers i believe that you will not allow any of those things amen after tonight you will be a generation of glory amen a generation of victory amen a generation of purity amen that rises up to god that rises up to god and rises up in victory amen and so let's continue verse 4 
When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. And what we will see about regarding these ornaments, ornaments are like their jewelries. What do they represent? Right, look at uh, look at the earrings and the ornamentations. They were all like uh, crescents and stars, right? They are symbols of idolatry. And so in our day and age, right, the things of the world, right, the image of the And then so, uh, for the Lord said to Moses, say to the people, you are stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go among you, I will consume you. So look, serving God, right, in our relationship with God, at, imagine this, if at any time that he could consume us, there is nothing greater tragedy than this, right? And yet there are many people who have this kind of relationship with God that is so uncertain, is so uneasy, never know when they might be annihilated. And this, during this time, it was the it was because of idolatry. But what this means is, is you love the world too much. Even though you go to church, but you are so close to the world. And so, as a man of faith, as a man of spirit, I'm so uneasy when I look at this kind of person. Never know when they will be annihilated, when they will be consumed by God. It's the same thing with God. At any time, they could be consumed by God. And so, if you love anything more than God, this is the state that you are in. That you never know when God will consume you. And so let us not allow ourselves to get to this point. We need to be completely uh, supported by God, completely loved by God, completely pleasing God, that at any time He is ready to answer you. That's what, that is what needs to be your destiny, not, not at any time Him consuming, not a ticking time bomb. If you live this way, you will be left with nothing. You will be stripped bare. And so remove, no one put on his ornaments. Um, take off your ornaments. And so what is he saying? He's saying to get rid of the scent of the world, right? Uh, that I may know what to do with you. And then so after that, that's when God will determine what he's going to do. Whether he's going to lead them or whatever. He's going to lead them in a way after they take off these ornaments. And so fundamentally, when it comes to God, whatever element he may take, whatever leading he may do, whatever command he may give, the only way you can know those things is first is you need to, at the very least, rid yourself of the smell of the world, acknowledging that, 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 that God reigns over you and not Babylon. Then God will take whatever element necessary or lead you in some way. This is how dangerous it is to live intimately with the world. And so I've been continually speaking to you about the danger of Babylon, and this is what needs to be engraved in you, okay? Remember, Pastor Mino Kim, right? I am someone who was so ingrained in the ways of the world, and yet why do I tell you about the dangers of these things? Why do I keep telling you to separate yourself from the world, to be set apart from the world? It's not because I've never known the world. No, I was someone who was super intimate in the world. I was in the top 1% of, of the upper echelons of the world. And yet, as my eyes, my spiritual eyes were open, I'm seeing that, that this is what is killing 
the saints. And so please believe in my words and, and set yourselves apart from the world. Because if you have the scent of the world, God, you never know when he will consume you. The very worst is he lets you do whatever you want. And so young adults, let us rise up as a holy generation and get rid of the smell of the world. Amen. Primarily, find your mastery over the cell phones. Do not acknowledge the cell phones over you. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Don't allow the cell phones to take control of your life. Don't keep it close to you, always putting it, gluing your eyes to the screen. Then your spirit will die. And so when it comes to cell phone, proclaim your mastery, that you need to obey me. Verse 6, Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. And so this amazing thing is happening, and so of course they are obedient, right? And then now from verse 7 to 11, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And so originally it should be in the middle of the camp, right? But because God's wrath is burning, Moses knew the heart of God and pitched it outside, far from the camp. Why? Because he's afraid that that wrath would interrupt his fellowship with God. And so now he's meeting with God because Moses knew God's heart. Uh, God was pleased with what Moses did, even though God didn't command him. And so if you live with God, you come to know the heart of God. This is what's important here. So in these end times, you are the generation of Elijah. And what is important about the generation of Elijah is the heart of Elijah. The heart of Elijah. What is the heart of Elijah? Is, is Elijah is a man who knew the heart of God. And then comes the power of God, of Elijah. It's the heart of Elijah first. The heart is important. And what is the heart of Elijah? He's the one who knows the heart of God. If you look at Revelations, the time of the two witnesses, the two witnesses, one of the two witnesses is Elijah. And look at the amazing power of Elijah, that these two witnesses, that when they utter a curse, that curse will not fall to the floor. Someone like me, when I pray, God doesn't turn away. And so if I curse you, curse will come upon you. Though I'm not the two witness, even someone like me could be dangerous in this sense. But later, when the, when the two witnesses are revealed, they, when they utter a curse, that curse has great power, right? And so even to the point where the Antichrist cannot even touch them. And so the power of Elijah, but it's not the power that we see in Revelation that's important. First, it's the heart. They are not just cursing willy-nilly. No, they are cursing because of God's wrath, God's, God's hatred, God's rage, God's burning anger, right? That's why this is the heart of Elijah. And so, brothers, if sisters, if you go deeper and deeper into faith with God, then you will live a blessed life. And that, and, and, and that blessing is manifested as how? Is knowing the heart of God. As we see in Isaiah, right? Where the hearts of the Father will turn to the Son and the hearts of the Son turn to the Father. That's where the heart of Elijah, knowing the heart of the Father, God, right? So this is why it's so important to get rid of the world, right? Because the world will not let you get closer to God, will not let you know the word heart of God.
And so the deeper you get into faith, the deeper you go in, the more you will know the heart of God. So who are prophets? Prophets are those who know the heart of the Father. How much God's heart is broken over Israel, that he cries and wails like a wolf, that he cries and wails like, like a wild animal in the wilderness. Right? How he knows the shame that God, the prophets are someone who knows the shame of God that, 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 that he runs around naked, right? Isaiah, Isaiah lives naked and, and Jeremiah eats dung and, and, and refuse, right? As, as sustenance because of the shame that God feels. And so the prophets are someone who knows the heart of the father, the heart of Elijah. And so it's because we do not know the heart of God that we keep loving other things and keep living this vain life. If you know the heart of God, then you will not dare to live that way. This goes beyond fear. This is just intimacy with God. It's just intimacy, plain intimacy. It's this state where God just wants more and more intimacy. Like David, how intimate was God with David? That every moment by moment, moment by moment, he pours out his heart to David, right? That that's how much we want to grow, amen? We are same human beings and isn't it, isn't it so unfair that some have that kind of relationship with God? That's the yearning, the longing you should have. And so if you do not live by your thoughts, if you get rid of the world, then this will happen in your life. And that's why I always say like in Amos 3.7, that God never moves without revealing His secrets first to His servants, the prophets. That He never works without first revealing His secrets to His His. His, his servants, the prophets. And that's the relationship we want, where we are in the inner bedchamber of God. And so, young adults, in your generation, if you start to open one by one into this relationship, then honestly, this pastor will have nothing more to word. This pastor will, want, will have nothing more to want, right? I would say, Lord, look at this glorious being that I've raised, that I've helped raise. And so he sets up this tent of meeting and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door. Those who are hoping to God, who are looking to God, would rise up and look at Moses. But those who don't, right, what would they do? They'd sleep in. And so already we see that those who are looking to God will rise up early. And each would stand at his tent door and wait until Moses un uh, had gone into the tent waiting for him to go in and they are filled with reverence and awe waiting for Moses, right? So in the midst of sin, already we see God is separating the true believers from the false. Those who are still looking to God's holiness, they are looking at Moses and they are waiting for what God will do, right? So even in the midst of this suffering, God is separating the wheat from the chaff. And look at the world, what's going on right now. It's getting darker and darker. 
and God is separating the wheat from the chaff. Verse 9, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. So look at how intimate Moses is with God, that one-on-one, one-on-one they have fellowship. Oh, I'm so envious. But what about us now? We have something even more glorious than this. We have something more intimate than this. He is in us. Amen. And so every day we can enter into this Holy of Holies and have fellowship with God. Amen. So we all have this privilege. Verse 10. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. So look, all the people, even from the greatest to the smallest, they would all rise up and wait and worship. And what is this painting a picture of? That as they took off the ornament, as, as God said that, take off your ornaments and I will decide what to do with you. And so these people who are longing for God, these long people who are longing for God through this, as they hear that and obey, what is God doing in their hearts? Is the heart ready to receive God? And it's these people who will be able to turn God's wrath. Amen. Verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And so what is the standard of greatness? What is the standard of, of respect? Is the one who stands face to face with God, who speaks to God face to face. How close are you that as a man speaks to his friend, which means no secrets, but for us, we are no longer just friendship level, but we are the relationship of a bride, right? No matter how close you are to a friend, it cannot come to, close to what it is with a bride, right? So we are as intimate with God as brides. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And so... So this is the reason why Joshua succeeded Moses because he served Moses. He saw the basis of Moses' leadership. And so of course, Moses is going to impart his leadership and let him succeed him. So look, leadership is important. It's looking at the leader and following that leader. The one who follows the leader is the one who, who will receive the inheritance. If you mock your leaders and look down on your leaders, rebel against your leaders, you will not receive that leadership. And then, and Joshua uh, would not depart from the tent. And so what does that show? It shows him his love for the worship for God. And so he passes. And then finally, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. You have not let me know. And so this is Moses praying to God, right? And so what does God say? He says, see, you say to these people, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me yet. Um, now, therefore, okay, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. This is verse 12. So, and so, God, what is he asking for? This is answering to, this is 
answering to what earlier God said. What is Moses saying to most God? He's not saying to God, who else are you going to send with me? No, what he's saying is he's saying is, is that God, you will you said you tell me to send the people, but you are not saying that you will go with me. And so this is important here. Okay, many times that uh, there are things apart from God that will satisfy you and, and these things cause you to be satisfied without God and this is dangerous. If God says he will go, no matter who doesn't follow or who follows, that's not important. What's important is, is that God is going, right? And this needs to be the basis of your life embedded deep in your soul. And so examine yourselves. Is truly God the only thing you require? But flip the script. If you live by humanism, you are not satisfied by God, but you, you keep looking for things to replace God. And so when there's no money, you are really hardship. What does that mean? That means that you are relying on money more than God. Okay, lack of money is not a problem. I mean, of course, there may be discomfort, but it's not something that you should trip over. It's not a stumbling block for your life. And so in your circumstances, look at what you are living by. That is what God is revealing to you right now. Some people cannot stand being without people. So am I living by God or what? Examine yourselves. And this is the characteristic of Moses. But he's showing you what it means to live by God. Moses, Moses praying to God. He's saying, God, you said you would come with me. And why are you now replacing yourself with angel, with people? No, I don't want that. That's not what matters. That if you do not go, I will not go. Even if you don't give me Canaan, if you're going, I will go with you. We'll see that later. And so in your faith life, what's happening in your spirit is that your spirit becomes reliant upon God, where God is everything. And if God is not everything, if there are other things attached, other conditions, that is what's going to cause hardship and difficulty and suffering. So, but to the person who prostrates himself to God, and God is everything. This is the goal of spirituality. Amen? And so here we see something famous, what he says. Okay, I know you by name. I know you by name. So whose name is he talking about here? That I know you by name. Is he talking about God's name or Moses' name? I know you by name. In Hebrew, it just says, I know name, right? So what is this talking about? 
I know you by name. So Moses knows about the name of God. And Moses is in a relationship that knows God's name. And so that's a testament to their deep intimacy with one another. And in the Old Testament, this is something amazing, right? Now, in the New Testament, it doesn't stop here. But I am in you and you in me. I abide in you, you abide in me. And we have this, we are united to the dynamic of Trinity, right? And so the level, the spiritual level of the New Testament saint transcends all of these things. That we go beyond just knowing each other's names, but we are in union, right? That just as the Lord Jesus said that as I am united to the Father, be united to me, and we are united to God, right? So we have this great glory, and yet you are not availing that glory to the point that you cannot pray, then that means you are so worthless then, right? You are nothing if you can't do that, even though it's all open to you. Why? It's unbelief. That's one thing. Unbelief, and because you have unbelief, you live by your thoughts, and because you live by your thoughts, you suck, soak up the world. So you are forsaking this amazing privilege given to you. We are beings who have this amazing privilege, right? That what is the promise that we have? That, that is his promise that that if you pray, pray for this, but not this, right? That God could say this, but what? What does God do? He says, "Ask anything in my name, and I will give it to you," right? This is the amazing relationship that's given to you. And so the intimacy that even Moses had was amazing, but in the New Testament era, it's even more. Right? What did Jesus say in the Gospels? He says that of men born of women, John the Baptist is the greatest, but now those who are born of the Spirit will be greater even than them. Right? Why? It's not... A comparison, but rather a testament to the new creation that is made through Jesus Christ. That you are a completely different creation. You are a new being. And so this is what you need to avail in your life. And I'm not speaking like a guru. Rather, this is what God has given to you. And I'm confirming that to you. Who you are. What is available to you. What tools God has given to you, what privilege God has granted you. That is all I'm testing, testifying to. And so the problem is, is that you do not believe. Your eyesight is too narrow and you do not believe. Young adults, you believe, yes? You believe, yes? Amen? Amen. And so if I have found favor in your sight, uh, you have also found favor in my sight. 
And so if you live in this relationship, you have find favor, right? Find favor, which is grace, right? That you're receiving gifts from God. So New Testament, right? It's, also, it's no longer just favor, but grace. Because we have every ounce of God's glory. Even to the point that we have the name of His Son, right? We have His holy name, His glory, His praise, everything. What else do you need? What more do you need? What more do you need? Why do you keep seeking money that is worthless? No, this explosive thing you have. And so bless the person next to you. You are God's explosive love. You are uh, you are beyond your imagination. You are beyond your imagination. Okay, show me your ways that. Uh, so, okay, show me now your ways. Okay, so you are blessed one another, saying that you are exceptional. But, anyways. Um, Show me now your ways. Remember that they know the way to Canaan. So he's not asking him to show them how to get to Canaan, right? They know how to get to Canaan. But, but what, what does he mean? Show me now your ways. Does that mean he doesn't believe God's word? No. Whether I know the way or not, Lord, if you do not lead me, then it's not a way, right? It's not the way. That God, you have to be with me. That's what he is testifying to here. So Moses does not live by his exp his experience, his knowledge, his 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 thoughts. He doesn't care whether he knows the way or not. God, you have to lead me. This is faith. So look. Oh, I know how to do this, so I might as well just do it. Oh, I have this, so I might as well do that. No, that's not what this is talking about. That if God does not lead, that I cannot do a thing. It's the same thing as King David, right? That relying upon God. If God doesn't give, I cannot do. Living by faith, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, it's the same principle. Who is a disciple? The disciple has no methods, no knowledge, no... Um, no possessions, right? This is the essence of those who meet with God. It's not different. It's not different. No matter who you may be, even me. Even me is the same. It's not because of my experiences. It's not because I've done this before that I can do it again. It's not because I've done this before. No. If, if that is the basis, then I already fail. That God leads me. That I walk with Him, always leading with Him. Then I can move forward. This is faith. So show me now your ways that I may know you. Again, I may know you. Show me your ways and confirm that you are with me. This is complete dependence on God. This is who we need to be. Amen. And so is that who you are being? Amen. Is this faith rising up in you? Amen. So, in order to find favor in your sight, consider too that this nation is your people. And this is actually what, what Moses wants to intercede, right? That this nation is your people. So look, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
you know how to move the heart of God. Everything that you wanted to say is at the back, but in the beginning you say what moves the heart of God, right? This is the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives to you. So uh, consider too that this nation is your people. Now verse 14. So this is fellowship. And he said, my presence will go with you. And according to the original Hebrew, that my face will go with you. And I will give you rest. That God will go with them. And it's not just simply going with them, but I will give you rest. Up until this point, Israel in their wickedness has had no rest. But now God will reign over Israel. That's the promise that's given. Do you think Moses is, or God is dumb that, that he's being manipulated by Moses? No. God is just pleased with, with the fact that Moses knows my heart. That Moses is my son. He knows my strategy. He knows what my heart is. That's what is pleasing him. And then, then in verse 15, we see a bonus to verse 16. So verse 15. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. So God says that my presence will go with you. But it's not unbelief that's being here, but rather, no matter the situations. Because he believes, because Moses believes in God, but he doesn't trust Israel. And that's why he says, that's why he's asking God that no matter the circumstances, be with us. So look, even, even he receives guarantee that no matter the circumstances, promise that your presence will go with us. So even though God, Moses has faith in God, he doesn't trust Israel. And so, so he gets a bonus. Verse 16. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And so when you are with us, what that shows is that we have found favor with you and that separates us from the peoples of the face of the earth. So if you are not with us, Lord, there is no grace. And if there's no grace, then no matter how excellent we may be, there's no meaning. But even if we are not excellent, if you are with us, we are distinguished from the rest of the world, that you can know that you are a holy people. So the important thing is that God is with them, not what they are able to do. That is what distinguishes them. So if you do not live by faith, your focus is always going to be on what you have, what you're able to do, what you, what you can, what talents you have. But that's not what's important. What I can do, what I have doesn't matter. If I'm with God, that is game over. That if I'm with God, that is game over. That's the confidence that we have when we live in faith. That when we live in faith, the confidence is not based on what I can do, on what I have, but rather my confidence rests that God is with me. In other words, that when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I am confident to do all things. And so the color of your spirituality needs to go to this tint, not, oh, can I do this? I need to make this. Oh, I don't have this. And so I need to respond to this. No, that will dilute the color of your faith. 
that no matter the circumstances, if God is with me and I'm filled with His Spirit, that I am filled with confidence. So young adults, when I look at you, I see that, you know, your life may not unfold the way you want. And so you'd like money. And then so you get so powerless. No, that should not be the reason for your powerlessness. The only thing that should cause powerlessness is because God is not with you. Amen. So verse 17, another bonus. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. And so he's confirming this promise once again. That, and so, and so when you have this great prayer of faith, look at what God does, the amazing grace. And so let us not please men, but please God in wisdom. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, look, I wake up 2, 3 in the morning, and the most of the time when I'm praying, on that day, in the midst of prayer, there, every now and then I will get that hit. That when I pray this kind of prayer that pleases God so much, there's always this moment in, in each day. There's always, and so you need to have this kind of hit every day. Right? And so that's what Moses is doing. He's moving the heart of God in prayer. Because God is a personality. That when you lift up this prayer that moves the heart of God, it pleases Him so much. And every day it may be different. For example, let's say the circumstances is, is covered in darkness. And instead of and you're praying that Lord, I need this, I need that, I need you to help me and save me in this way. You should be praying like that because of how hard it is. But the Holy Spirit comes inside of me, and I pray that, Lord, you are in control, right? And 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 God is pleased in that kind of situation. Um, And so it's like this. Okay, in this uh, hardship, you know, of course, God expects you to pray for what you need, right? That's something that's so obvious. And yet, instead of praying that, I cannot hear what he's saying. Uh, that Lord you are the best okay so verse 18 and then finally Moses says receives the heart of God and melts his heart and so finally Moses after he has melted God's heart he, he says what he wants so if you just if God is filled with anger and wrath and you say please show me your glory then God would be like what are you talking about but you gotta wait when you melt his heart and then when you melt his heart and you say please you take out the killing blow right and so this is what it means that God is a personality that there is this um, that there is this 
delicacy, to delicateness to, to fellowship with God. That, that how I pray will move his heart, right? And, and, and this comes with deep fellowship with him. And as you have deep fellowship with him, he gets nervous, nervous that what is this guy trying to take from me this time? <laughs> and so look at uh, Genesis 40, right? Right. When the other sons come to see Jacob, he turns away. But when, but who comes that he gets up? Joseph. Why? Because he is the son that pleases him. It's the same thing with God, right? If you meet with God as a personal, pers in a personal way, so how is he meeting with you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm weary. Go away. Or is he going to get up off of his bed to look to you? It's the same thing with pastors, right? When pastors pray and they say, Lord, I don't have money. I don't have this kind of person. I don't have people. I don't have... And then God will turn away. Oh, I'm, I'm weary right now. But anyways. So now that God's heart is melted, what does Moses say? Moses said, verse 18, please show me your glory. He has continually seen glory. And yet, this glory is being renewed. And so look, in this situation, why is Moses asking for God to reveal his glory? I'm sure that this is a common prayer for you, right? You've asked for God to show his glory. But this is not something that you should take lightly, especially from the perspective of the Old Testament. Remember, glory, if you look upon glory, you are, you are playing with death, right? Now, Moses isn't being like, oh, because I've seen glory once and I did not die, I can see glory again. No. And this glory what, that we'll see after verse 19, he's asking for the direct glory of God. And so why does he pray for glory here? Now, there may be many reasons that I could talk about, but I want to talk about two things. To someone who meets with God in faith, Essentially, they have this desire to draw close to the glory of God. It's not like you just praying, oh, show me glory. It's not, it's not just looking for glory, even though you're not being led and having this depth of intimacy. Now, of course, there may be grace in that situation. But look, Moses is someone who's been continually renewing their glory. And so fundamentally, he has this primal instinct that wants to get closer and closer to God. And, that, and from that perspective, he's asking, show me your glory. So in other words, it means that he is embodying the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because he's embodied the fullness of the Holy Spirit, he has this natural desire, this natural thirst for more of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you keep living by your thoughts, living according to your will, living according to how you think, then you do not know the joy and the depth of trying to maintain that faith. That, oh, you're just praying because something, problem came up. Or that you just have to do something and so you pray. This is the main motivation for your prayer. 
but someone who's maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit, knowing the light of God and have knowing that what they have this their instinct is to come closer, to draw closer. This is something that's really hard to describe. I don't know. Maybe some of you have tasted this, but so that's why he says, show me your glory. So what is Moses saying right now is that even if you sh were, even if I were to die from this glory, I still want to see this glory. That even if this is my last moment of life, that Lord, I want to see your glory. So the important thing here is that we need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit and being someone who can continually draw near before God. And so then you don't really need to pray for anything else, to be honest. Just, just Lord, show me your glory. And what's the other thing in this situation? Up until this point, though Moses has continually seen new glory, He sees the limitation of his influence, his limitation of his leadership every time that glory is shown. And the reason why he can pray this is because he does not live by his strength. Now, those who live by their strength, of course, they see their limitations as well. But more people who, who, who do not live by their strength, they see their limitations more because they see that they have this limitation and that what God is giving goes beyond that. So look, whether you're a pastor or not, it doesn't matter. If you're a leader in those circumstances, there will come a time where that limitation will, you will meet that wall of limitation. So you need to, what is that for? It's to yearn for God, to thirst for God, to thirst for holiness, to thirst for power, to thirst for God, to thirst for those things. But if you keep doing by your strength, your will, then you will never know this thirst. You cannot know this thirst. You won't even want it. But if you are constantly looking from God and let God lead you and live by the power of God, then this renewal of glory is the most important facet of your life. And obvious. This is obvious, right? That, look, even with 500 church members, I feel the limitations of my strength, even in this glory. And so I need that glory every day. How much more Moses as he's leading these millions of people? Because, because he needs to lead these, this nation through the power of God, he wants the renewal of that glory. So young adults, please do not forget today's promise. As leaders, though you may not have officially begun your ministry of leadership, but when you become that leader, it's not your thoughts, your methods, but by God, then you will need this renewal of glory. And you need to continually renew that glory. And so, Pastor, even as I've been ministering for the past 32 years, I've been continually renewing this glory, renewing this glory, continually renewing this glory. Without this renewal, I could not live this. I could not live in this day and age preaching this word. And so I seek God, right? So first, what is this? This is your primal instinct, your primitive instinct to seek God. So if you maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then this becomes your 
instinct. And when you know this instinct, then uh, that means that this person is on his way. That this person is on his way. If you have this yearning to come closer to glory, then ah, this person is on his way. So please show me your glory. Verse 19, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. Moses asked for glory, right? Direct glory. But what does God say? I will let my goodness pass before you. Now you may say that goodness is his glory, but what is God saying? That I cannot show you the glory that you want. Why? Because at this time, Moses is not someone who could see that glory, right? And that's what God is proclaiming. But what about our time? Now we can see this glory directly. God has opened the way. Amen. As he says in 2 Corinthians 4, that the, uh, that the light of the knowledge of God comes emanates from his gospel, right? So we have to now see that glory. Angels could not see that glory. But now we, through, through the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ, in faith, we can see that face. Amen. And as we look to that face, it's not being terrified. Of course, we fear the Lord, but it's not fear that we're going to die, but rather it's fear of reverence. And as we see, we are being made more perfected in His image. Amen? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 3.18, what does it say? It says that the light of the glory of the gospel leads us from glory to glory. Right? That's what this is talking about. And so we are in a completely different dimension, different level from Moses. The and even though Moses was this amazing being, he could not see this glory face to face. Listen carefully. It may seem as if I'm speaking in a super spiritual perspective, but this is not spiritual. Or it's not um, imaginary. It's not, it's not superstitious. No, many people, young adults, you, this, you are going to rise up like this. That you have listened to this truth and you have received this anointing and God's presence has covered over you. And this kind of being, the same kind of being as Moses is going to rise up. There are some amongst you who is going to do greater things than I do. Amen. That's the faith you need to have. That's the thirst you need to have. And in these end times, you are, I have a more important position than I do. So it, as I face my time of retirement, you are going to now take over, take that mantle. And so you are in a place of more importance. And so it is a higher percentage for you to be the main actors in, to, in these end times. Amen. And so really, what more? what is more worth living for? Do you want money? Is money more worth it? No. Being this, being the servant of glorious God, what is more precious than that? And if these kinds of people would rise up, there is nothing more I would want from Zoe ministry. So let's continue. So I will pass my goodness behind by you. I will make all my goodness pass before you. So as we said earlier, seeing the back of God, God's head, right? You cannot see his face, but so he said, and will show mercy on whom, uh, uh, wait, uh, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And so in the name of the Lord, 
his, his life is being sealed, right? So when a king makes a proclamation to a servant and gives him the seal wherever that servant goes as long as he has that seal he can he, he goes with the authority of the king right because that seal guarantees the authority of the king right that's what's being that's the same thing that's pointed here that wherever Moses goes that who is guaranteeing that? It is the God, right? The Lord. That's why his name is there. That I guarantee Moses and so no one dare touch him. But you are more than that. In the New Testament era, you are not simply being guaranteed by God, but God's name is given to you. That you are my son. Right? His name is directly given to you. That I be holy for you. The Lord your God is holy. And so you're not just simply being a sealed servant, but you are now the son of the king, right? That you are heirs. You are heirs, amen? You are heirs. That's the difference between New Testament and Old Testament. And so because of this great dignity, the saints of the Old Testament, as they look upon you and seeing you being glorified, they cheer you on because of who you are. All the righteous ones, the righteous saints of the Old Testament are cheering you on. Why? Because you are heirs of that kingdom, heirs of that promise. So if you... And so do you believe in your dignity truly? Do you believe? Are you sure? Then you can remain at our church for a little bit longer. Truly? Okay. The next conference you got to lead it, okay? And I will, um, I will show mercy on whom I, uh, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. This is not saying that he's going to pick and choose. No, what he's saying is, is that he doesn't just give his grace to anyone. But what about your day and age, the grace and the mercy that you have given? is the grace and mercy that raises you up as prince that gives you the dignity and honor of his name directly that it has been given to you but this isn't just given to anyone and going beyond that his son paid the ultimate price right this grace has been given to you through his sacrifice right and so listen carefully brothers reclaim your dignity and do not sell your dignity your birthright to the world for a bowl of soup if you truly believe in your dignity in your birthright then you would not sell yourself to the world you would not allow yourself to be trampled by the devil it's because you do not believe in your birthright that you're constantly falling and faltering to the world Okay, we're almost finished. 
Verse 20. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. But, and so as we said, Moses cannot yet see his face. In verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And so this rock, is, spiritually speaking, is Jesus Christ, 22. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And so he's basically seeing just the back of God. And even just the back of God, how amazing is that? But for you, you have greater glory. You see him face to face. Okay, it's more strange to not see. Amen. So let us see. Hallelujah. So beloved young adults, through your hearing of this word, I believe that the glory has been renewed in you. So as you go back to your church, may that glory continually be renewed. Amen. And let us go back up to Mount Sinai, continually being sanctified and set apart. Lord, to these young adults in this day and age, that they would be sanctified. The most sanctified generation, the most victorious generation, the greatest generation, I proclaim in your name. In faith, I proclaim, and those who have received this proclamation in faith, it shall be upon them according to their faith. And so let us pray. Lord. Young adults have finished this conference and they're going back home. And as they go back home, every day may they go up to Mount Sinai and stand before the glorious King every day, rising up as a holy generation. That they would not be deceived by this worthless world, by the worthless devil, never selling their dignity, remembering their birthright as they draw near to you, that every day as they go back to their churches, that there would be a revival of prayer in their sanctuaries, that, Lord, as they face you and rely upon you, that the glory would fill their church and that the anointing would pour and pour out upon their sanctuary and that glory would emanate forth from their churches into the world. Now, beloved young adults, every day let them rise up to Mount Sinai to renew the glory and lead them, Lord, and that they would receive a glory that could not compare, that goes beyond all comparison of what the glory of Moses does, that they would see you face to face, that they would annihilate the devil, and that they would rise up in your glory, rise up. Would not trade this glory for anything, that they will receive this glory. Lord, every day that there would be amazing works of your glory being renewed in their lives. Rise up, your adults, rise up and, and annihilate the devil.
Lord, it's uh, it's obvious, it's true that you all have different spiritual states. Some of you are more open, some of you are not. But it doesn't matter. Just be patient. Because this calling of God, this election of God, have trust in it and continually draw near to God. And when you draw near, you will see great glory. And God's victory will be proclaimed in your life. It will. The world is nothing. And trample the devil. Do not forget your dignity. Proclaim your victory. Proclaim glory every day. Renew that glory and rise up every day. Lord, we lift this generation up to you. And at this time, with this glory, pour it out upon this young adult generation. All the work of disbelief and, and deception, all the things that we proclaim, all you faithful heavenly hosts, remove all the things that go against it. Heavenly hosts, army of God, come at this time, cut down at the devil, cut down at unbelief, cut down at deception. we thank you and we praise your name for covering over us through this week with your amazing glory and I lift up this offering may it please to you and as these young adults live on this earth that may the filthiness of this world be manifest and surfaced that they would turn it all to glory and blessing in your name Lord grant greater glory to glory church and all the young adults of Zoom ministry, that they would rise up as a revival generation, that they would not remain at the foot of the Mount of Sinai, but that they would climb higher and higher up. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, as the head of the church, through the holy love of the Father, and the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit, to the saints, the generation of glory, and to glory church, and to remnant all over the world. May this blessing rest now and forevermore. <laughs>